What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just want to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Fix. Who is Skybox Sports Fix? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry, along with years of wisdom and experience. These guys are legit. You need to go check them out. They run promos all the time. They just had the potential $1,000 giveaway with the NASCAR picks. They did not end up getting the winner correctly, but you still profited about 900 bucks if you win $100 per unit uh, on their picks for that weekend. Just got clipped on the winner. I know they were salty about that, but they won you money. What do they really have to apologize for? But these guys are legit. You need to check them out. NASCAR's in full swing. That's one of their bread and butter, shockingly enough. I, I had their NASCAR guy on a couple months ago try to explain it to me like I'm two years old, and uh, it was a really interesting way to learn about it. So you need to check them out if you're a NASCAR fan in particular. But they've got all kinds of stuff, weekly golf picks. They've got MLB. They dabble in some NBA stuff as well, and they can do a package that will fit your price range. You could do a daily pass for 10 bucks if you just want to test it out see what they're up to. You could do a month-long NASCAR package for 25 bucks. That's four weeks. Last month, they were refunding the NASCAR package if it wasn't profitable. So you pay 25 bucks, and either you make a ton of money, which you will, or if you don't, you get your 25 bucks back. That seems like a pretty good deal. Weekly golf picks. They've got one-week NASCAR picks, four-week sports-centric packages, four-week all-access packages. You get the point. If they have a, if you have a preferred sport, they will find a package to fit your price range. And if you use the promo code Rippy, you get 20% off any purchase. People, I know people have been going to the site because Rob and I have been looking at the traffic or whatever, but you guys are just peeing away free money by not uh, using the promo code. I don't understand it. I like discounts. I like free stuff. Seems like a pretty good deal to me. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a package. There's articles on there as well, as well as free gear. I'm actually rocking a Skybox hat right now. Rob gave them to me over the weekend. Pretty awesome stuff. So check these guys out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg's got the deals going on if you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, which will get back going by the time most of you listen to this podcast. I've had a couple of days off with some weird work and travel stuff, but a huge loaded newsletter tomorrow. But if you're a subscriber to that, you get free meats or discounted meats, whichever one Greg has uh, in store for you this week. The uh, current deal we got going on right now is $10 off, excuse me, a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks, as well as $5 off any frozen sausage, just for being a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter. That's rippyrights.substack.com. All you have to do is type in your email. It's completely free, and you'll get spanned with the newsletter uh, four or five days a week and free meets. I'll let you decide which one's better. So check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Y'all know the deal. Greg is the absolute best. You don't need me to tell you that at this point, but I am uh, contractually obligated to tell you this. So check him out, LB's University Avenue. We have a lot to get into. Ole Miss won a regional. I had Colin Rister on the line. It's our typical Sunday night extravaganza uh, happening late on a Monday night and probably the most consequential one of the season as the Rebels won a slugfest against Southern Miss today to advance out of the Oxford Regional and set up a date with Arizona in the Tucson Super Regional. So we got into all kinds of stuff. We'll peek at Arizona pitching strategy. The, uh, the demons this team kind of overcame today. That's not even really the right way to describe it. The yet another dosage of adversity that they seem to just not be phased by. And uh, kind of the significance of this moment, because I think a lot of people wrote this group off 
uh, when Gunnar Hoagland went down in particular. So I don't know. This needs no more introduction. Let's roll. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Monday night. I'm Brian Scott Rippy on the other end of the line as he was last night and what has felt like the last 12 nights, given how long the last 24 hours, maybe it's just me. Colin Brister, this was our planned podcast. We did an emergency podcast last night that ended up having a shelf life of like 11 hours. Ole Miss advances through the Oxford Regional. It took all seven games, a winner-take-all game. They win a 12-9 to slugfest over Southern Miss to advance to the program's second consecutive Super Regional. I guess that's still accurate because, of course, COVID-20 yeah. 20 season. What's up, my friend? Uh, there's a song, and I don't really know the name of it, but I hear the lyrics when I sometimes have the radio on, radio on and it goes – part of the chorus is, I'm alive, but I'm barely breathing. That felt like me today in Section J. Like, like that was – I told my friend that I was with after the game, that was the most fun I never want to have again. I would for Ole Miss not have to close out any more regionals on a Monday ever again. Yeah, and it, it, was as, it was as long and as, like, painstaking, I guess, from an Ole Miss fan's vantage point as you could possibly have, right? Because, I mean, I texted you last night. I know what they were trying to do, and so I, I'm not, like, calling them dumb or anything. But, like, the odds of that bad boy actually starting at 12 – we're not very good. It's honestly pretty fortunate given kind of the, the speckled radar throughout the day. Um, as someone that just drove through Oxford uh, to get some food, they couldn't have played tonight. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of getting at. It's like you thought it maybe had a window at like six, seven-ish to get a few innings in. You could start it and maybe finish it on Tuesday. My point being is they were actually very fortunate to uh, just have the little little 30-minute lightning delay after the initial two-hour delay or two-and-a-half-hour delay, whatever it was, to get the game in. But I, I guess I was going back to my point of just it, – it, it was long and it was drawn out and it was back and forth. That's uh, – you know, it's not one – it's up there with one of the craziest baseball games I've ever seen. I mean, the, the 2019 finale uh, at LSU with the Parker Caracy game where he gave up, what, like four home runs in a row with two outs in the ninth inning is up there. You know, you had two this year, right? The Vanderbilt Sunday game, the Arkansas – Sunday game, I mean, name even LSU the Sunday game, name it. That's definitely up there, and that might trump all of them given the stakes. Uh, Ole Miss needed every bit of it. I'm not even sure where to start, so I'll just, I'll just list off a couple of facts for you and just have you react to them before we dive into this thing. Sure. This game featured 11 combined home runs. Mm-hmm. Half the hits were home runs. <laughs> Doug Nikhazy earned his second win in three days. Ole Miss threw its Friday night guy on two days rest. It's Saturday guy on one day's rest. Southern Miss threw its Friday guy on two days rest. And, and their Saturday, Saturday guy on one day's rest. And Ole Miss was up nine to nothing. That thing got nine to seven at one point, and they were outscored, what, nine to three throughout the last, like, what, I guess that's seven innings? Six seven innings. Yeah. And still managed to come away with the win. Tim Elko had 10 RBIs, two grand slams, one ACL. And three home runs this tournament. Two of those happened in that game. That was uh, – there's just so much to unpack in that game, but we'll get to it as much as we can. But obviously we don't want to be here for three hours because I know you have places to be and people to see around town. I have nothing to do, but I also don't want to be here three hours. Where do you want to start with this? I, you, actually, um, let you react to it. Thoughts? You know, there. so I, there's, there's people that um, – maybe watch press conferences or whatever, and, and they hear someone talk about toughness and, like, maybe don't understand exactly what that means. 
if you ever want to know what it means, just look at the 2021 Ole Miss Rebels. Um, there, there's been a there's been a T word that's been associated. Oh my, uh, with this program uh, for postseason uh, play the past whatever 20 years. Um, that T word has now changed. That that word's tough because everything that this program went through this year. When you talk about losing your best hitter, uh, tearing his ACL, losing your best pitcher, tearing his UCL. Um, you talk about having to win a, a winner-take-all game against another program in your state when, frankly, let's just be real. I don't know how much you saw on Twitter or on message boards. There wasn't a whole hell of a lot of people that believed Ole Miss was going to win this baseball game today. Wasn't many. Um, and they didn't really care. And, and they just went and won a baseball game because they were better than Southern Miss, who is a hell of a baseball team, by the way. They're tough as hell, man, and they deserve everything that comes their way. And, and I'm extremely excited for them to – because I, I think they've got a real shot next weekend. Um, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, later in the week. But, man, when you look at this team and everything they've gone through this year, it, it's just the embodiment of, of what toughness really looks like. Yes, the random oh, my God you had in there, I imagine, was uh, – but we're recording this in Nebraska, Arkansas. Arkansas just scored on a wild pitch after two free passes. Uh, keep watching. Oh, I, I don't have it up. I saw it on Twitter. I don't have a two-TV set up in my recording space. Oh. So, oh. Uh, I do not have – I say two-TV. I don't have no, one. I, I, didn't, I didn't oh, my God, the wild pitch. I oh, my God, in the three-round homer after it. Oh, okay. So, you were ahead of, <laughs> you were ahead of what I was looking at. Uh, anyway, not to derail your thought, you're exactly right talking about the toughness and the resiliency of this team. And, you know, what did I text you after the first inning when they put up the four spot? I just said tough as shit, which is exactly the embodiment of this team. And we did that emergency podcast last night that, you know, had a shelf life of, like I mentioned, like 11 hours or so. But one of the things you and I were both in, in pretty, pretty lockstep agreement on was I don't think the team necessarily was going to come out tight. And if they were, there was going to be one man who made him that way. And to me, it was about uh, the guy in the dugout wearing number five, either exercising some demons or at least just finding a way to enable his guys to go play loose. And they exactly, they did exactly that. I mean, was it the second or the third inning where they just came up with that new tradition? I, I know that song. I don't know. I can't remember the name of it off my top of my head, but they're doing like new dances in the dugout and stuff and getting the, the stadium to play along like that's not the sign of a tight team the sign of a tight team was one that missed a you know pretty easy pop-up at yep. the edge of the outfield in the first inning or the second inning I can't even remember what it was that feels first like you know. yeah first inning like that seemed to me the the team that thought the stage was too big for them and I don't that's never necessarily the case with old Miss tight in the stage being too big sometimes go hand in hand and not always but this team is tough and they've been resilient all year and Mike Bianco doesn't like to compare past teams with former teams like when you ever ask him to compare a player to anyone he gets kind of salty about it he just doesn't enjoy doing it if I'm not mistaken I know he said it after the Vanderbilt series I believe he said it on multiple occasions that this is the most resilient group of guys he's ever coached am I incorrect in that yeah he, and, and I think he said I've never been prouder of the team um, I think he added that in there too and like you, you you're probably sitting out there thinking uh, you know, coaches say that all the time. They get caught up in an emotional moment. Mike Bianco doesn't really say stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he doesn't ever say stuff like that. And I was only around him for, I guess, half a decade, maybe a little over half a decade. So there's been plenty of people that have been around Chase, included my now, uh, I guess, call him co-worker. I don't know. But we're, you get the point. He's been around a lot longer. I, I would I'd be interested to ask him. I, I don't think Mike has ever said stuff like that before. And 
you know, I, I thought that was indicative of this group and this group kind of having something at the time, particularly after the gunner injury. And I think everything that they've overcome kind of taught them something today, right? I mean, they lost two games where the bullpen blew it and the bullpen wasn't great today. And granted, they never blew the lead, but Ole Miss kept adding on. And, you know, the lack of pitching depth and trying to get around that, they got around that today and wasn't great. I mean, hell, they had to use Nikhazy on one day's rest. I just think all these – losing your best hitter, Tim Elko, and then having him come back and launch another grand slam that they needed every bit of. And, you know, at the time it felt like the exclamation point of the hammer. I didn't necessarily think the game was over at 9 to nothing, but I did think it was going to be a hell of a lot harder than 5 nothing to come back from that. And so you just look at all these moments and these tests that this team passed along the way. And, you know, there's been two, three instances this season where this team's been pushed to the brink from an injury standpoint. And instead of Wilt, they've absolutely thrived. And, you know, today wasn't a masterpiece. I don't know if thriving's the right word. But they came out on the other side against a pretty good team. And I, I promise you there have been Ole Miss teams in the past where that not would have that would have not happened. When that thing got 9-7, you may lose 13-10. Did it ever get 9-7? I thought it always stayed at three. Maybe it was at three. I thought it was – maybe I had that wrong. Hell, I don't know. I can't remember the score or what happened. No, no. It got it got to 10-7. Elko hit the tank. 10-7. Excuse me. You're right. Exactly. You're right. 10-7. Still, point still stands. 14-11, sure. whatever you want to call it. And they just kept adding on, and they find – I mean, they, it was really the definition of just finding a way to get just enough outs. Because at the end of the day, as crazy as that game was, they got it to Taylor Broadway with six outs left with the lead. And he preserved it. It was about as, you know, for as crazy as that game was, it was as conventional as a save as opportunity as he had uh, all year. So at the end of the day, they did their job, but it, it took every piece of the puzzle to do it from Cody Adcock to Calvin Harris hitting a two run home run where I think his batting average got down to the 0.04 something. I don't know. And again, I feel like I say batting average all the time and preface it with I'm not a huge batting average guy. I just find it kind of a funny indicator of things sometimes. You get my point. It took every piece of the puzzle today from Cody Adcock to Calvin Harris to Tim Elko to Doug Nikhazy and the Taylor Broadway. The team's superstars performed like superstars, and they got absolutely everything they needed from guys that hadn't had huge roles this season, and it, it ended in a pretty satisfying victory. As I stood here and watched Arkansas probably win this regional, this is the number one team in the country. I just had a thought go through my head. Brian, people and teams play games on Monday night all the, all the time. Literally, really good teams have to go to Monday night in regionals all the freaking time. Just, just It's that way. It's hard to win three in a row, okay? But the really good teams, they win on Monday night. Does that make sense? Like, like yes, you this just, happens all the time. It's not unique. Yeah. Oh, Miss, it was not an indictment that they lost that, lost that game last night. They didn't play well. Drew McDaniel was really bad. And the way they lost it was frustrating because that kid that didn't really have great numbers came in and just was a terrible matchup and stifled him. But you're right. On the surface, this happens all the time. It's why two seeds push the one seeds to the brink. That's not an uncommon thing. They're good. Southern Miss is good. Most two seeds are pretty good ball clubs. Southern Miss is damn good. Um. I, I was I made sure that bus got out of Oxford because good night. Um, but yeah, man, look, it, this this team's special, and and I don't know what's going to happen in Arizona next week. I, I sure as hell hope they win too um, and go to Omaha. But I feel like you know, it, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I kind of think this 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 regional narrative and they play tight at home and they freak out. Like I kind of feel like some of that's put to bed after this weekend. Maybe I'm crazy, but 
you know, you're talking about a team that in 19, their last regional here, they go 3-0, and blitz through it, it's no problem. You're talking about a team in 21. They beat an ace on Friday night with their number two guy. They're down in the seventh inning on Saturday night. They win the game. They lose on Sunday and have to come win a game on Monday, fight through a rain delay that pushed the game back three hours, then fight through another one that stopped it for 30 minutes while your starter is rolling. Uh, and we need to get to that, by the way. Um, and they just win anyways. And, and that's, that's, that's a thing is win anyways. They just kind of do that. I, I, maybe for me, I, I don't really want to talk about Ole Miss blowing regionals and playing tight and the fans are tight and scared. It, it's just not – that's not the case for me anymore. Like, you just – I know 2018 happened. But when you consider what's happened the past two regionals, it just doesn't really add up to me anymore. No, you're right. And, and I think it's particularly with this group, right, because that 2019 team, one, was playing really good baseball. They also got a much easier regional draw, and that's not diminishing sure. anything, anything they did. It, they, they, and they took care of it. They beat the hell out of everyone in that regional. I don't mean that as like a slight to any, anything the 19 team did. But just given everything that this team had been through from losing Elko to losing Oakland and losing two games directly because of your manager and just never really getting phased by a whole lot. I mean, you didn't – that was more of a fan narrative, I guess, as, as you're kind of alluding to than anything else because I just never bought into the idea, and I didn't necessarily think that either. It was a fan narrative, and it was kind of more direct. I think it was more directed at Mike Bianco it than was. the baseball team. And that's probably fair. Uh, I, I think Mike Bianco should get credit for kind of the way he turned the 19 team around because I do think there was a very philosophical shift in terms of how he deals with teams, uh, maybe in the dugout and in, in, in bigger moments. I, I don't want to speak outside of my uh, expertise, but that team acted different. Mike acted different there. So I think that was more of a Mike Bianco-directed uh, narrative because the team that got down 9-1 to one to LSU and came back and, and won a game that ended up being crucial to their season and came back and tied the game against Arkansas and then beat Jack Leiter with its number four starter and then took two or three of Vanderbilt after their first-round draft pick, top 12 draft pick, goes down after losing the second or first most excruciating game of the season that previous Sunday. I didn't think the team that had done all those things would wilt because nothing they had done to this point would tell you they would play tight or fold in that moment. Not a thing. There's not a single piece of evidence that would suggest that. What game have they – I mean, they've gotten down 9 or 10 to 1 three times this year, and the only time they didn't really muster of a comeback was the season finale against Georgia, and you can make an argument fatigue factored into that, and they were outmatched on the mound. Like, this team never quit at any point in the season. No. No, and they're not going to. Um, look, man, this is a really good baseball team, and it, it's it's a shame what happened to Gunner because if what happened to Gunner doesn't happen, I mean, we're talking about a team that, and they may still go do it. They ain't putting it past them. Um, not with twenty six and twenty seven on my team, twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven. Those three numbers pretty good for Ole Miss, um, but. You know, I, it's a shame what happened to Gunner because I think you'd be talking about a team that could legitimately win a national title. Um, but this team's really freaking good, and I ain't putting it past them to go to the desert and win two games next week. It's, uh, it's, an, it's an impressive group. And, you know, look, there's a lot of people that really pissed off at Mike Bianco last night. and That's fine and everything. Do whatever you want to do. But you can't, in one breath, say fire his ass if he loses this regional and then he wins the regional and you give him no credit. He's done one hell of a job this year. And, yes, there are managerial mistakes. There were two that cost them two baseball games. 
and those should be pointed out and those should be criticized. But on the other hand, you got to give him one hell of a lot of credit for not letting this team quit, not letting this team cave and getting them to a super regional because it could have been real easy when they left that night in College Station to come back to Oxford for this team to lay down, and they sure the hell did not. And I guess whatever fan base I or you want to direct, like that was directed at Mike Bianco last night per se, is just bottled up from the years past frustration. And it's the same ire that's fueled that narrative that's not necessarily false nor unwarranted. Like Mike Bianco didn't do anything last night. The team was no. very good. Like that, like, it's not like he didn't have them ready to play. They just, they had a disastrous start and they couldn't overcome it because they had a kid throw a two seamer away from a bunch of left handers that couldn't figure it out. Like it, 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 it for Mike Bianco phrase that everyone hates, that's baseball. So that might be the most perfect way to tie a bow on that. But you're right. So like that's why they that's why they let you lose twice. Yeah, exactly. And you, know, you mentioned the 25, 26, and 27. You know, everyone talks about the. Uh, I keep getting tweets and how we got a couple of questions about like statues and stuff. I don't. Someone asked me how much it would cost to build a statue. What do I look like a brick mason? I wouldn't. I have to know what I know. This. So I don't know, but. But I can, if I can get 25, 26, 27 in a statue, I'll damn sure do it. Well, I guess if you were, like, going to do one or whatever, you couldn't you just include all three? Because, like, <laughs> the only other option, the other option I had written down at my cubicle today because people kept tweeting and DMing me about it. it like, it's funny. It's all in good fun. The other idea I had that didn't include Broadway was Elko using his healthy knee to pick Doug's nose, and it's like a duet type of thing. Thoughts? <laughs> Oh, God, I tell you what, um, it's going to get overshadowed, and it shouldn't, but um, Taylor Broadway's special, man. He, he is special. Um, he just pitched, what, four, five and two-thirds this regional? Guess I, I, I don't know if you know this. He pitched five and two-thirds this regional, did not give up a run. Would you like to guess how many runners got on base? Oh, this is going to be a good stat because I think it's one. It would be one. He gave up one runner in 5.2 innings. He's absurd right now. I went and dug it up before last night. Uh, his last 17 innings, he's given up one earned run, and that was before today, so it's 19 now. Uh, he's given up one earned run, and it was on a wild pitch pass ball. Or it was on a wild pitch strikeout. Like, the, the kid reached, and then he came around to score. That's the run he gave up. Uh, it was on Sunday against Vanderbilt. So he's pitched since then uh, 16 innings of scoreless baseball. Just just absolutely insane right now. Yeah, and I think probably the greatest indicator of just how overpowering and how dominant he was, like he has been over this recent stretch, you've seen a lot of games at Swayze, and I was not there today, of course. I mean, that's obvious at this point. I, I don't have to keep saying that. Now I'm just blabbering on and on. But you get my point. Even on television – that's as, long, as, as of a launching pad type conditions as I've ever seen at that place. I mean, you had 11 home runs in this game, and then he goes, what, six up and six down? Yeah. Like, in I, the way I'll that be... game was going and dudes poking balls opposite field way the hell over the fence, how many balls left the infield? How many baseballs did Broadway have leave the infield? Like, to me, that's um, as good of an articulation of how dominant he was. Southern Miss was hotter. I mean, they scored 21 runs against SEMO. I know it's SEMO, but, like, that offense – was on fire, and in a game where no one could get three consecutive outs without theatrics, he got six of them. Well, he gave up one runner today. That's um, right, he did. Sorry, that was the one runner. But you get yeah. my point. Yeah. Um, I. So, I, it's funny. We sat on here all night last night. We think Ole Miss is going to win the baseball game. And I, and I did. I genuinely believe the entire game Ole Miss was going to win. 
Um, that did not stop me from being like insanely nervous and kind of freaking out at every bad thing. Um, but I will say this, when Broadway came in, I knew the game was over. And I, and I know that sounds silly and I know that sounds stupid, but in, in statistically, if you want to go look statistically and tell me, hey, Wyatt Short was better, hey, Stephen Head was better, okay, that's fine. There's nobody I trust more right now to shut down a game uh, that's ever come through this program than Taylor Broadway. There's nobody. And, and, and I genuinely, genuinely mean that. I, the game was over when he came in, and that is such a luxury that not everyone has. Um, maybe Arkansas and State, but outside of that, nobody else has the guy at the end of the pen that is this dominant and this reliable. And can, he got three saves. They played four games. That is insane. Um, he's a special kid, man. And uh, he, he – look, I don't know where in God's name Ole Miss would be without him, but I don't think it's going to Tucson next week. I would agree on that note as well. And to kind of uh, kind of tie into that, I, I'm probably texting you this, but I put it all, out on the internet as well. I mean, you're probably, it's probably the only time you'll hear me list pitcher wins. But, I mean, Doug DeCasey got two of the three teams' wins. Tim How did he him. get the win today? That doesn't I make sense in my – Curious about that as well. I'm going to have to go back and discover that. I know Doherty can't get it because he didn't go five. Um, and I guess the score can award it to whoever they want, but whatever. I'm just one man. I'm just reading off a stat sheet. Yeah. Tim Elcott, um, so let's, RBIs on, let's, and Taylor Broadway, three saves. Old Mrs. Superstars played like superstars this weekend, and that's probably why they're headed to Tucson. So let's, let's get into this. The decision to pitch Doug McKenzie. What, what, I'll let you go first. What, did, did you have a problem with it? Did it bother you? What, what did you think about it? I mean, I didn't – I don't really – I have a hard time – like, watching Ole Miss baseball and stuff, I have a hard time, quote-unquote, having a problem with things. Like, managerial decisions in terms of, like, Mike going to Josh Mallett's, I can make – at Starkville, I can make fun of that and say that's dumb. But in terms of having a problem with it, look, man, it's, it's June of that kid's last college baseball season. I mean, mm -hmm. you would know better than me from an arm health standpoint. Mike Bianco is not irresponsible. Whatever no. narrative you want out there, yeah, maybe he was a little cavalier back in the day before people started using pitch counts, but he's not an irresponsible guy. And so I just if, – if he's deemed them and, and, and the Casey's cool with it, of course the Casey's going to be cool with it. I mean, it, that kid, if he was on zero days rest, like he would pitch even if it wasn't for his own good. I'm rambling here. I didn't have a problem with it. When, I mean, when he walked out the pen, I'm sitting there going, eh, is this the smartest thing in the world to do with this kid? No, but I can also compartmentalize that and weigh the weight of the moment and the fact that there's probably no one else outside of Broadway that Ole Miss trusts more to get a couple outs. And, you know, whatever you may think of it, he got the most important out of the game. The base is loaded 12-7, right? Because if that thing goes a haywire at that point in the game, who the hell knows what happens? Would you, uh, would so, you agree that was the most important out yes. of the game? Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I had this discussion going back to the car. What would have been more un – because people are saying it's unfair to the kid, like you have to protect him from himself and all this stuff and whatever. Um, what would have been more unfair to Doug Nikhazy? To pitch him in the situation that you did and exactly like you did, or to let him watch this game from the sideline and not have a chance to impact it? Like the second one is more unfair to that kid than me. I – look. He didn't pitch him 68 pitches. He threw him 1.1 innings. He's fine. It's Look, does it probably push him back to game two in Arizona? Yeah, more than likely. It's going to be all right. They give you two games. Um, you guaranteed them. 
I, I, I could not have less of an issue with it. And I think, frankly, um, there'd have been a fight in the dugout if, if number five had told Doug McKenzie that he wasn't going to pitch. There'd have been a fist fight. So you had to make a decision. Do you want to fight in the dugout and that to be the story, or do you just want to let Doug pitch? Because one of those two, two things was about to happen. Yeah, Zach Barry sent me a tweet that Keith Law put out or whatever. What a pansy. <laughs> what a pansy. Oh, I'll say it. Dude, so I, I had a legitimate question behind that. I just – that was the way I was alerted by the tweet. Look, Keith Law's older. I mean, commercial the old guy on the internet. From an arm health perspective, can you put in the perspective, like, one doing it one time, going from 119 pitches, having wow. a day dress, and going 28 with your season on the line? Like, how would you articulate that? from a, a, a coaching standpoint and an arm health standpoint? Because I'm just not equipped to do so. I know, it, I know it's not smart per se on paper, but like how would you contextualize the situation versus the moment? Um, what I had, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I, I think, look, now I need to be clear here. Doug, and I'll say this, I, I, and, I, and I firmly believe this, had Doug McKenzie not been able to go today, had he had absolutely nothing, he would have told Mike, hey, I can't go. I, I don't have anything. I can't go. And Mike would have said, okay. Um, but that wasn't the case. He did would have he something. Have? Do I? Would he have? Yes. I, I, I firmly do. I, I believe that. Why? I believe if, if his arm did not feel well, he – well, I mean, and you gotta, it's twofold, right? Like, if I'm Doug and I don't have it, I'm not putting my team in that situation. Like, I'm just not. Because um, my fastball is going to be flat. My, if I'm throwing 85 up there, I'm no good. I mean, he was 88 to 90 today now. Um, he had 91 yeah, a couple I, of times as well. Do what? Yeah. He had 91 he a was, couple times. Yeah, he was fine for what they needed him to do. Um, I don't think it's a big deal if you do it once. And this is the only time you can do it. What I'm saying is, you're not going to do it in Tucson, obviously. I know everybody will say you can throw them game one and do it again. You're not going to do it again. And then the College World Series is so spread out that you don't have to do it again. It's well, I mean, one time. Look at his counterpart. Walker Powell threw 27 pitches on one day's rest. Yeah, I don't see anybody freaking out about that. I don't see anybody freaking out about Kevin Cobb throwing seven innings tonight after he threw two and a third on Friday and four on Saturday. I don't see anybody losing their mind about that, but, you know. Doug throws, uh, you know, an inning after 118 pitches and all hell breaks loose in Keith Law's world. It's ridiculous. They hate him because the vitamin's in his nose. One last uh, point before we get to kind of a couple other things I want to get to with this game, and then we'll answer the people's question. <laughs> kind of project this in a maybe a little bit more of a uh, long-term sense. Uh, the last thing, I mean, Tim Elko, I understand, like, we've exhausted every adjective in terms of kind of describing it from a cool moment or pr perspective whatever. I mean, I guess I feel like I have to mention it. Did you know he hit two grand slams and three home runs and drove in ten runs? <laughs> He's a stud, man. He is an absolute stud. Uh, what a – what a – I've run out of words. I yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, and they yeah. needed every bit of it. They needed all five of his RBIs today. I know I'm stating the obvious – but the moments in the game, they needed it too. They needed that smackdown hammer to get it to 9 nothing to kind of let them – not that they were tight, but let them breathe a little bit, right? Because at 5 nothing, you feel okay, but it's still a game. At 9 nothing, you can kind of be like, okay, we have some wiggle room if something does go awry to where it's not going to become a kind of a sweater 
uh, immediately. Not sweater, the thing you wear. Sweat out game. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. I'm delirious. I've had about five hours of sleep the last two days. But And then you needed it. Went right. So Southern Miss responds with the two spot, and he immediately answers it. That was a big point in the game. Like, not only – Obviously, breaking news, grand slams are important, but I thought the timing at which both of them came were uberly important to kind of settling this team, not that they needed to be settled. You get what I'm getting at, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could that, – that second home run gets kind of overlooked. Huge. That came at a time where the Ole Miss offense was scuffling a little bit, Southern had crawled back in, and then it was bang. There's one. And everyone you, you kind of extend that lead back out. So what was it? Uh, maybe it was nine to seven, and they pushed it back to ten to seven. I can't remember exactly. You may have been right that it got to nine to seven. Uh, um, that would be amazing. Do what? You said I, I may have been <laughs> um, right. I was saying I, I that'd be rare. I, I don't. I don't know exactly what it made the score. I do know that I remember sitting there thinking, "Oh, they need to score here and answer this," and he did. And and they put the run up, and you're up. 10 to whatever and and you just feel a little bit better and um it let it let the adcock kimbrell inning happen um which was unfortunate but in reality though um southern miss was never going to just lay down either they were never going to lay down they weren't and and you gave them a little bit of life and, and credit to them they took advantage of it but that's that home run that grand slam is i mean it was the game winner without it you lose uh, well, you have to go in the ball night trailing by one. So, uh, thank God, thank God he hit it because, and you know, the home run obviously as well. So, the the second home run, yeah, the, the kid's a stud. And I don't, and if that kid hadn't come back, I don't know where this team would be without him. I know they were pretty good offensively, but when you consider the slump they've been in, uh, that they kind of broke out of today, uh, it'd be they'd be lost without Elko. That's for sure. Yeah, I would – I mean, exactly. What else can you say at this point? And it's, 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 it's unbelievable. He got the regional MVP. Obviously very well-deserved. I don't know what else to say about it at this point. It's a remarkable story. I'll be interested to see how it finishes and if he can keep authoring uh, these moments. Tom Hart had a statistic today. I, you may not know this because it's kind of random, and I'm not asking you to, to back this up. He mentioned Elko's hitting a home run every six at bat since his return. That's about right. I mean, I can – um, it's about right. I don't know if you can pull up his game log if you're way you're able to do that, but I can recall the home runs. It was uh, he hit one against uh, one against Texas A&M, and then he hit one against Georgia, right? Um, and then two in the tournament and two in the regionals, so six. Uh, it'd be thirty-six at bats. Yeah, I think he's had more at bats than that, right? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he just made that up. But I was. Just I don't know. He's probably didn't. He's probably right, and I'm miscounting. But yeah, that's so. I think some of it too, right? Um, and and you you probably have a better vantage point than me, um, on this. So I I can't say for sure. But up until this weekend, like the last two games, uh, I think until Sunday he had not hit a ground ball since his return. So my man is just like dead set on getting the ball in the air as he should be. Um, and, and he's doing one heck of a job at getting it in there and getting it over the fence. And, and some of that's going to cause some strikeouts. That is what it is, but he is getting that thing in there and it's, it's, it goes unnoticed and talked about how strong he is because sometimes he doesn't have a whole lot left in his backside to, to get to fastballs and put them over the fence. I mean, the home run he hit at Hoover, he was out front 
Oh, it was um, absurd. It was, but that was one of the more impressive feats of strength I've ever seen. I, 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 I I'm not saying your point is wrong. I, it doesn't go unnoticed by the other half of this podcast that that the strength is absurd. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a kid special, man, and and. I think, frankly, and, and you tell me what you think. I think he's coming back, and I think I think you got your lineup back next year. I mean, I I don't see any of these kids leaving just yet. Um, maybe wrong on Graham, but it it kind of feels like there's a really real opportunity that they're all back. Yeah, after off the top of my head, Graham would be the only one I would point out. Uh, Leatherwood, where's he going? I mean, he, he yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking I mean, out loud. I'm thinking out loud here. So there's even possibilities. So well, I mean, all right. The I'll list the draft possibilities, and you tell me what you think. And, and don't laugh. I'm just listing guys that are technically draft eligible. No, um, I don't know. Justin Bench, Kel Baker, uh, Hayden Leatherwood, Tim Elko, um, Kevin Graham. What do you think of Bench? I, I don't. Especially with it not being a leverage year and him technically being a sophomore, I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I think you get your lineup back next year, and so it Ooh, begs, that is a filthy lineup. It begs the question that everyone is asking: if, assuming Tim Elko comes back and he's completely healthy, if he starts the season like two for thirty, does he just go and snap one of those ACLs? If he starts the season two for 30, I'll be pretty excited because the past two years he's done that, then just went insane. It's very true. That's right. Yeah. He the most, I'll say this. Uh, you followed Ole Miss athletics for a long time. Is he the most loved Ole Miss player of all time by a fan base? Well, I don't know, man. You've got two of them on this team in Broadway. Not, I mean, you got definitely two of them on this team. Like, cause you know, yeah. Doug, Doug's been across three seasons now, right in the fold every single day. It's a little different than a relief pitcher. I mean, Broadway's a badass closer, but like, you know, when you get a guy for seven innings every Friday or Saturday night, it's sure. different. I mean, one of the other ones up there is Doug, is it not? I mean, yeah, I just kind of think it's a little different doing it on one ACL. Oh, oh, I, I agree. I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I, just in terms of like beloved athletes, I'm trying to think that that's probably it's, up there. I mean, to, man, to me, it, there's, there's four it's Eli. Elko, Nikhazy, and Dexter. And it's so hard to do football to baseball because obviously, you know, football's king and it carries everything. But uh, those four kind of stick out in my mind from that topic. I agree on that one. Let's uh, let's get into the game real quick before we get into sure. what this means, big picture, and answer it. So, you know, we talked about the toughness of this team. And you mentioned last night that you, know, you were saying this is going to sound silly and this is going to sound obvious, but Ole Miss needs to go out and put up a two spot and then come back and get a zero and put up another one. That's essentially what they did. They just did it all in one inning. And, you know, if you're talking about the, the toughness that this team, I guess, kind of embodies, uh, if you're looking for an example of that, it's Jack Doherty coming out after – what? how many pitches did he throw? 60, 60. pitches on Friday night. And putting a pretty – I mean, given the rest of the game went, a pretty routine first inning, having Ole Miss hit a couple of tanks and immediately putting another zero up on that board. Because not only did Ole Miss hit the two tanks that kind of got the crowd into it and the players kind of going, not that they needed any extra juice, the zero on top of that was absolutely massive that he that uh, Doherty recorded in the uh, second inning. And, you know – it. it he gave you every – I mean, Jack Doherty did – there were so many things that happened after this game, but Jack Doherty did everything you needed him to do today. He, get, he got you 
12 outs and got it to where he had to collect 15. And it was essentially how do you collect nine before you get it to Taylor Broadway? Because, I mean, it's a whole different ball game if he doesn't get you 12 outs. If he gets you 10, it's probably a different game, particularly if he gets you nine. I thought Jack Doherty, 70 pitches, two earned runs, one walk, three hits, gave you everything that you could possibly ask for him given that moment. Uh, I'll let you answer that part. Just respond to that first before I um, ask another question. I would like to thank the man, whoever it was that had the epiphany that they should start Jack Doherty today. I would like to thank that human being um, because I think if they start the other option, it doesn't go well for the Rebels. So it's another thing, right? Um, everyone kind of just assumed it's going to be Adcock and, and gives Mike some credit there. He said, no, I'm gonna, I got my best, one of my best relievers available. I'm not going out there without, without throwing him and extending him. If I'm going to extend anybody, it's going to be him. Um, yeah, absolutely massive. I, I said, I, th- I may have said it on here last night, but I, I've said it uh, a lot of places. Thought the first inning was huge. And, and, and I'm not talking about um, this is foresight, um, not, not to sound obnoxious, but I thought if they could throw up a zero, they, they could get after uh, Etheridge. I, I really did. I didn't think Etheridge. I went and watched this morning his outing against Florida State. And I'm like, that's not going to play against Ole Miss. It's just not. He, he, was, he, was, he couldn't throw a slider to lefties, um, and he really couldn't locate, couldn't locate a changeup that well to him either. It, it, I just didn't think it was going to go well. And I knew if Ole Miss could get out on them and put the pressure squarely on them um, and make them freak a little bit, like, I, that's a different ball game. And, and, you know, credit Jack, really, really strong first inning. I think it was one, two, three, maybe maybe four. I can't remember exactly. I know he strikes out Montenegro to start the game um, on a really good fastball. Uh, credit that kid. He, he, he did one hell of a job today. That's, you know, and, and frankly, if it's not for the lightning delay, he probably gets to go a little bit longer because, man, he, he was rolling there for a little bit. Um, he's a, he was special, man. Uh, he, he's a freshman, and frankly, when you look at this team, he looks like a guy that might be in your rotation next year. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it as well. And, and credit, Mike, you know, for all the bad decisions – not all the bad decisions, for the heat that Mike has, take, Mike has taken for the couple of egregious decisions he's made this season, he should get credit for that one because the second part of where I was going to go with that is, you know, you and I kind of tried to hash that out for – uh, probably about, what, 15 minutes there on the podcast yeah. last night, and that never crossed our mind. We said we, he would get an inning or two, but it never crossed our mind to start uh, Jack Doherty. And I'm not saying I know half as much or a fourth or a fraction as much baseball as Mike Bianco. I don't mean to, like, compare it, but just us kicking around ideas, and we kind of uncovered – thought we uncovered every stone in terms of possibilities, right? It was Adcock – Diamond on short rest, could you go Kimbrel? We never it was interesting that we never mentioned that as a possibility, even though we mentioned it as the possibility that we'd pitch. And not that Mike would necessarily know the conditions of the ballpark today, but boy, would that have been a bad move to put give put Derek Diamond out there in that launching pad because I don't know if you've looked at it. He leads the team in home runs allowed with 12. Jack Doherty's only allowed two two home runs the entire season. And you kind of get that hard-throwing guy that's going to throw a lot of strikes and get absolutely after your ass from kind of the first pitch. I thought that was kind of the perfect way to start a Southern Miss offense that looked really, really good the night before. I think yeah. you should get a lot of credit for the decision and the inventiveness to uh, to start a reliever that threw 60 pitches a few days ago. Too, yeah, no, it was, it was a great decision. And like you said, deserves a ton of credit for it. Um, he, he picked the guy that gave them the best opportunity to win the baseball game. That's his job, and he did it well. Um, 
and and like you said, there's there's not enough you can say about Jack Doherty. Anyone anyone that has a rooting interest in Ole Miss baseball would have taken four innings and two earned runs from any starter you would have given them today. Um, you know, so so credit to those kids that and, and credit to Mike that fought. You know, Jack fights his tail off and uh, gets you gets you the starts you need. And he leaves the game. You're up nine to two. I know it got squirrely after that. It was a bunch of holding on, but I mean, he literally cut it down to, "Hey, I need nine outs from somebody that's not Taylor Broadway," and those didn't come easy. God knows they didn't come easy. And that's, and, and I, I, I want to be careful here because I don't really want to do any criticisms of Mike today. That's where I had a little bit of a problem using Brandon Johnson yesterday, because um, I think it could have been a whole hell of a lot easier if you had him available, right? For sure, but if you use Johnson and he's good and they come back to win, you look like sure, a sure, yeah. Um, but I agree. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, I think Chase called it a coin flip decision. It may not be exactly fifty fifty, but there's it's it's not an agreement, yeah, sure right? You can yeah, see yeah. both outcomes. Sure, um, but man, it would have been nice for my soul if he was available today. Right? Because um, how long? I, I thought you interesting. You we talked about it whittling down to nine outs you know, for people out there viewing. The Broadway thing for I mean it didn't last long. Like it, it was relatively painless. How long did oh. those nine outs after Doherty take? Oh my God! Just I, you know, Adcock comes in and it's bang out walk bang, and it's like oh God, here we go. Um, and then Kimbrel, you know, I didn't think the ball that got out off Kimbrel was hit extremely well, but you know, got other far credit to him. Um, but you know, well, that was I, the one to me that was like, "Oh, holy shit! This place is booming in terms of like balls getting up in the air." That was yeah. the one where I was like, "Good lord!" I thought Graham had that one the whole way, and obviously didn't. Uh, let me tell you something though: that ballpark in Arizona is gonna play like that, so get ready. You know, um, but yeah, balls flying. Those those nine outs took a minute, and uh, they gave you some gave you some worry. It sucks. And credit to Mike for not not belaboring it, but it sucks what happened to Diamond. He gets two easy outs, and then it's just blow up. I mean, it's hit, walk, walk. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Um, but, you know, credit to Mike for getting him, and, and, and Nikhazy's able to get Wilkes and did one heck of a job. And, uh, you know, look, I know Nikhazy's stat line is not going to look great. Um, if you actually look at Nikhazy's stat line in totality, like for the regional, it's not actually going to look very good. I think he went 8.1 innings and gave up five earned runs, so he's going to have like a 5-5 ERA. But uh, you want to talk about pitching on guts and adrenaline and, and what that kid provides, man, he, he is special. And, and nobody else – there's been very few people that have come through that program that uh, could do what he did today. And, man, credit to him. He, he got Ole Miss the, the four outs they needed to get the ball to Taylor Broadway. And like we've said, the, the game was over once Broadway had it and Ole Miss had a lead. Sure. The two guys you trust the most, I mean, Doherty gets the job and gets it to where you need to collect 15 more outs while preserving the lead. The two guys you trust the most, both of them somewhat, I guess Broadway's not really short rest, but it was a little lengthy uh, for a six out deal. Those two guys get you 10 of them, and then you just kind of find a way to get the other five. It felt like how that game played out, and they did. That is crazy just the enough. way you just, you just uh, you know, portrayed that. I mean, Doherty gets 12, Broadway gets six, and Doug gets four. Um, and then you just found the other five. Found five somewhere. I'm thinking of, you know, Derek Diamond gets two, Adcock gets one. I guess Jackson Kimbrell got two, and it's just like, good Lord. <laughs> Uh, that is crazy, though, that uh, those four, those three guys got you through a regional game, and obviously the 12 runs really, really helps. Um, 
credit to that offense, man. I, I thought they were locked in. They were zoned in. It's a really good offense, but it had some tough times lately. And uh, credit to them, man. Uh, they they, they got to be locked in when they go to Arizona next week. And we're going to get into Arizona later in the week. But uh, that's, a, that's a team that if you look at just the regional, they didn't hit extremely well. Uh, but that is a team that can really, really mash. And Ole Miss is going to be, have to be able to out-hit them next week. Yeah, absolutely. And so as we kind of encapsulate this big picture, because I think we've kind of hit every angle of the game. I mean, I'm just kind of looking to make sure. I mean, the Elko has goes three for three with two walks. Like, I don't think they got him out today. I don't know if anyone else had mul- – oh, yeah, Chatagnier and Graham were good. I mean, it was the usual suspects. Jacob Gonzalez had a hit. Chatagnier, it's good to see him coming around. That's, that's a really I, good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And I was never – I mean, it was long enough, I guess, in terms of, like, if you're looking at it, like the coaching staff was probably, quote, unquote, worried per se. But I always just figured that kid had hit consistently for the year – uh, I, I guess I'd seen him in the short time and kind of a year, I guess, because he played like a, a half a season or a little bit less. I always figured like if, if McCants are struggling and Leatherwood started struggling again and Chatagnier was with them, who's the one guy you're picking to probably get out of that? Yeah, it's probably Chatagnier. Um, no, I was, I, I, I didn't think it was doing Ole Miss the best interest, maybe hitting, leading him off and, and credit to Mike. They got him out of that hole. Um, and, and he was able to settle in today. Uh, He'll hit two hole the rest of the year now. But, um, you know, it's credit to that kid. He had a good day, hit two home runs in two days. I, you know, I don't want to be negative on this podcast because, you know, almost just one regional. If there is one I am concerned with, it's it's TJ. It, it's for whatever reason, it just doesn't look right right now. No, and I'm not saying bench lost. him. I, you shouldn't bench him. You should hit him in the sixth hole and he should play center field. That doesn't mean I can't be concerned. No, for sure. And honestly, if Ole Miss is going to go out there and go to Tucson, the, the, the collection of the trio we just mentioned, and I'll, I'll omit Chatagnier from it, but the I'll, I'll replace him with Dunhurst. The Dunhurst, the Leatherwood. Yeah. Leatherwood was fine this weekend, though. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but the, like, I guess I, like I'm encapsulating the last month. If you're kind of looking sure. at why, uh, because Mike still doesn't really trust him against left-handed pitching, and maybe no. we'll narrow it down to two. McCants and Dunhurst. If Ole Miss is going to go out there and kind of have not have a chance, but it. it feel good about their chances both of those guys have got to be better I mean they were combined yeah. great today and contribute I, I just don't think they're going to get by another weekend being carried by a two grand slam performance from Tim Elko and then the other you know two three usual suspects doing what they do yeah um because that's what made this lineup elite right it's the I mean Jacob Gonzalez has remained consistent throughout but it's the Hayden Leatherwood hitting 360 or whatever it was through 26 uh, of SEC play, Jacob Gonzalez and, and TJ McCants. That's really what gave this lineup the bite. You knew the other guys would hit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Keith Law probably needs to turn into ESPN2. Uh, Mikhail Hilliard is starting for LSU. Uh, he started on Saturday for the Tigers. So Keith Law needs, needs to tune in and make sure that he gets these tweets off. Make sure he make sure you hit send, Keith. Um, Bansy, but yeah, it's almost no, like, like that's not that uncommon. Yeah, it's probably not a big deal for one time. Um, I kind of am rooting for like I didn't have a rooting interest in this game, but I'm kind of rooting for LSU now just so Keith Law can eat it. But yeah, no, look, you're, you've Dunhurst and and, and McCants have to get going. You can't really have you know two two guys at six and seven that are struggling like they are. And if you made me bet, I think they find something. I think they'll be okay. I think this lets everyone breathe, right? This is this to me is always the hardest round. And I, and I know Ole Miss is super drowned is, is obviously one and five or whatever. But as far as, like, what you have to do and grind and all that, I feel like the regional round is tougher. At least you know 
in a super regional, what you're doing every day. Like we're playing at seven o'clock and we're playing the university of Arizona. Um, it just kind of feels like it's more, more routine and, and kind of like what you've dealt with all year. Right. Particularly the way this team is built. And that goes to that, that, that goes for Gunnar Hoagland, even like this team with Gunnar Hoagland as well. Right. Because even when he was healthy, they hadn't really ever rectified the Sunday thing. So, and you could see how squirrely, even if they had gone two and O and they go Gunnar Doug and it's relatively painless. And then, McDaniel or whomever it is on on Sunday does what it does. I'm not sure necessarily the outcome's different, right? Ole Miss is still in the same predicament, whereas with the Super, it's not that way. And so, you know, even more so with Gunnar Hoagland out, particularly with the way this team's built, you're exactly right. Like, this this was the hardest round for Ole Miss. Yes, are they going on the road? Yes, are they playing a better team than probably anyone they face this weekend? Sure. But in terms of, like, like you mentioned, having to grind and go through it, this was the kind of the most difficult test for Ole Miss, particularly given who their four seed and who their two seed was. Yeah, man, um, that Southern Miss team's really, really good. I, Did I we think, underestimate Conference USA this year? Uh, maybe, uh, and we probably shouldn't have. We were talking about a lot tech team that hosted an Old Dominion team. By the way, Old Dominion playing on Tuesday tomorrow, so uh, that, that narrative went away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a La Tech team that hosted an Old Dominion team that's playing to win a regional tomorrow that's a one seed, uh, Southern Miss team. Yeah, absolutely we did. The, the, this CUSA was pretty good. And, and Southern's going to be good for years to come, man, because those guys are freshmen outside of Montenegro, and, and they're really, really freaking good. And, and, man, I am really glad they are not in Oxford anymore because that was a miserable experience watching those guys hit. You talk about a team that would have been pretty good built for a super too. You throw a, a full full gas Stanley and a Walker Powell out there. They had enough in the bullpen to piece together a game three if they needed it. That team could have made it to Omaha. Ole Miss should send a thank you card to Florida State. They uh they beat Southern once and made them burn Ryan Ock. Because I'm telling you, Ryan Ock throws today and Ole Miss might have an issue. So uh thanks thanks to Florida State for uh for doing it. Cause I'm telling you, man, if Ole Miss had to play Southern Miss on Saturday. I know Doug was on the mound, but, man, you, Ole Miss didn't play well on Saturday. There's a real possibility Southern could have sent them to the loser's bracket. I couldn't agree more. And, like, you're probably not getting the same throwing error because Florida State was a horrific defensively. And yes. Yet somehow found a way to beat them on that Friday night. So, I agree with that one. Let's uh, – let's, last thing before we get to the questions, big picture-wise, you know, it, it, it's – I mean, even on the Short Shelf Life podcast, I guess, as I've dubbed it, Last night, we kind of opened up the can of worms of what this would look like if if Mike Bianco had – if Ole Miss had lost this game, what it would look like on Mike Bianco's tenure and what this would look like. Uh, how do you think that's changed now? Because, you know, the Black Monday thing happened in 2018, but I guess the best way I can describe it without being perfectly articulate is if that was a movie or a horror movie, this had to be – this had a ch- – today had a chance to be the slightly crappier sequel, but still everything sure. is, uh, is miserable. Before before I respond to that, do you think Mike's okay? Because I, just, you know, he had to wake up this morning and deal with everything today. And now I look on the TV and just see Drew Bianco run in from center field to catch a ball for LSU. His nerves are going to be just uh, like out of the wazoo tomorrow, right? Like he he is going to enjoy tonight's rest. Uh, I agree with that, and I imagine Ooh. right now I bet he's more than fine because uh, <laughs> one of the things I've talked to him about in the past was. I mean, he used to miss the sometimes the Sunday press conference and go haul ass to Hernando or go over to Oxford High and try to catch a glimpse of his kid playing. I imagine today had to be gratifying for his day job, and then getting to go home and watch his kid play on the stage has to be pretty awesome as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but that's probably a really cool moment. Probably got a chance to be a really cool day. I'm, I'm kind of hoping LSU wins now. Um, but yeah, that's look, big picture wise, Mike, look, it would have been tough for the loss of that. Let's just keep it real. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, and this isn't a criticism because I understand, um, you know, I've been an Ole Miss fan for 21 years too. Like I understand that people are frustrated and tired of losing in the postseason, but there, there was a number of Ole Miss fans that just gave this team no prayer today. Um, and, and had Mike lost this game, there was going to be a number of people that were just kind of done and kind of just this postseason is what it is. They're not really going to get it done in it. Um, and, and credit to him for, for overcoming that, credit this team for overcoming that. And when we talk about toughness, we talk about this team and what it embodies and from a toughness aspect um, that starts with coaching, that starts with the coaching staff. That's, that, that, that is what they embody. And um, that's a hell of a lot of credit to Mike. Uh, this this team was able to get through this and, and you know, get – look, now, I know everybody wants to get to the College World Series. I want to see Ole Miss in the College World Series. I would, I'd like nothing to do nothing more than go to Omaha, Nebraska in a week and a half. Um, but finishing your, or making the Sweet 16 is, is good. You know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't want to win the Super Regional. I'm saying that, you know, winning a regional and finishing top 16 in the country, if, you know, God forbid it does go – go to crap next weekend uh it's a pretty good year and uh he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that because there was there was plenty of old mess fans that when it came out the monday after the a&m series that gunner hoagland had torn his ucl that uh kind of gave up on the year and i'm not necessarily blaming them i'm just saying uh it's 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 one hell of a coaching job and it's one hell of a frankly it's one hell of a two three year pro, uh, process to to get this team back to super have the year last year and then have the year in 19 where you get to the super regional um, he's done one hell of a job the past three years overall, and he deserves a ton of credit for it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And we don't have to do this whole thing tonight, but I just find the big picture aspect of it interesting because, yes, there will be the people that – like the camp that has never been in the Bianco camp, if they do go sure. to Arizona next week, they'll probably kind of have the same vibe and the same mood of just he can't get it done. But I think most <laughs> rational people, whether they get it done out there next week or not, the fact that they got it through a regional, given everything they dealt with from an injury standpoint and losing Hoagland and all of that, can probably balance the – I'm trying to put it like from a fan's perspective, they could probably balance the frustration of Baker get short of Omaha yet again and the whole one in six or one in seven or whatever the hell it is in Super Regional stats with the sure. fact that this team just ran out of gas. If that does happen to be the case, I'm not counting them out. Well, I no. guess what I'm trying to articulate without going too far into it is them getting through this regional is a testament to their mental fortitude. And if they don't make it through next week, that doesn't change that because this team was kind of written off when Hoagland went down, like you mentioned. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it's, uh, it's impressive. And, um, you know, look, I, if you made me pick, I think Ole Miss wins next week. Could be wrong. Um, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of confidence in that projection, but um, it's it was it was a great day. And and look, I hope what my hope is that Fulmes does go out there and get beat, and and that's a very real possibility. It's a very real possibility they win two games too. Um, I, I think today should put any their tight nonsense to bed. If they were tight, they would have lost today. They would have. They the other team scored nine runs. Um, you don't win that game if you're tight. You just – sometimes you lose. And 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 if that happens, then you, you tip your cap and move on. And uh, my hope is that if it doesn't work out next weekend that people will just say, hey, we lost to a better baseball team. It is what it is. Um, again, if it's 
you know, if I'm picking right now, I think Ole Miss wins the series. Again, not a ton of confidence in it. But if they don't, it's not because of some overarching theme. Um, they just maybe probably lost to a better team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to send you a manual of what we in the biz call a tease because we do have a podcast at the end of this week. Um, after we, we get a couple much deserved days off. I know I pay you millions and millions of dollars, but uh, <laughs> two days off of uh, podcasting, we'll rest up as well. So <laughs> I'll, hold off on, uh, I'll hold off on my pick until Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever the hell we do this thing again. Let's, uh, let's answer the people's question. Sure. Fire the hell up to uh, can have I, the podcast. Can answer. I go first since I have it in my text messages and I might forget? Go first on what? Uh, like the question. Someone texted it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got questions, throw them out now. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, question one. What's your rotation for the Super? And I want to do this two different ways. So, Supers can go Friday through Sunday or Saturday through Monday. I'm glad what you is, brought that up, my friend. What is your rotation for a Friday through Sunday Super? My rotation Friday through uh, Friday through Sunday Super is Diamond Nikhazy Myers. Okay. What is your rotation for a Saturday through Sunday, Saturday through Monday super? Can I throw you a weird one that Mike's not going to do? Nick yeah, because I diamond. Okay. I'm going to present you a really weird one. Okay? okay. All right. If it's Friday, I go diamond TBA TBA because I'm telling you right now, if I can get Doug Nikhazy in a game three, Against game three pitching, I might just do it. And look, you're asking me. You're not asking Mike Bianco. You're asking Colin Brister, okay? If it's me, I throw Diamond on Friday, and if I win, there's a real possibility me would hold Doug for Sunday in a game three and let him go against Arizona's number three pitcher and probably at that point a depleted bullpen. Does that make sense? Again, I'm aware Mike's not doing that. I'm just saying that's what I would do. Yeah, you checkmated me because I was just so eager to name all three because I had already thought about it other, earlier in the day that <laughs> in a year where I've advocated every coach should go TBA, 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 uh, I forgot about our good old friend TBA. I actually like that strategy as well. Uh, really the kind of actual conversation to be had here because we got a similar question about it is if it is a Friday regional – I don't we, think Doug can go on Friday. I don't think he can either and, you know – like you mentioned, TBA might be the right way to go because obviously if it is a Friday through Sunday and you lose on Friday, you got to throw Doug on Saturday. Sure. But if you win the game, it might help him to have another day's rest, particularly after what he did this weekend. I don't hate that idea at all. And with Mike Bianco electing to throw Derek Diamond against one of the two four seeds he'd have an excuse on, are you ruling anything past that guy at this point? No. Um, I don't think he'll do that, though. I don't expect Doug to pitch game one of the Super Regional. Can what I say that? Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, it, it, and let me clarify. I don't expect Doug to pitch game one if it's on Friday. And that's, again, not inside or anything. I just think he probably needs maybe the maybe some time. Um, if it starts on Saturday, that may be enough time. You're talking about four days off at that point. Um, I still, if it's me, I'd pitch in game two. Or, or my strategy of hold, hold him until it's an elimination game. But, yeah. Um, I, if it's me, I don't throw Doug Nikhazy game one in any situation. Really? And, and that's just I can, from I the rest see of it on Saturday, though. I just don't see a realistic sure. case where that happens on Friday. No. 
and that's not from some strategy thing or anything. No, it's just I, I think he I think he needs the rest. Um, but you know, Doug can tell you on Friday, hey buddy, I'm fine. And then you say, Okay, do you want to go? And he says, Yeah, and then he goes. Um, no, I mean, if Doug's good, I I mean he's good on Friday, throw him on Friday. I don't care. Um I, you know, it's not some strategy. I, if, if strategy to me, if, if you told me Doug's a hundred percent, um, I think I'd probably throw him game one, but I think that it could, wow. LSU just went up two to nothing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm stuttering over my words here. I, I don't know. I haven't thought enough about it and it's hard to make this declaration without knowing what guys feel like. Right. Um, right. I mean, even Dom and you talk about two days rest and coming back and throwing 15 pitches today or whatever he threw, um, you know, so it's – got to have to see how guys feel later in the week. You just don't know. Um, if everyone's healthy – so let's answer it like this. Let's answer it like this. If everyone's ready to go, everyone's just 100% ready to go, what do you do? And then tell me what Mike's going to do, going to do or what you think he's going to do. Okay, if, it, if fatigue's not a factor in it, I think Mike will go uh, – Nikhazy, Diamond, Myers, I would probably, and I know I'm contradicting myself because when you asked me my rotation for a Saturday, Sunday, Monday regional, I said Nikhazy on Saturday. But even just the more and more I think about it and sitting it here, I really kind of enjoy the strategy of holding Doug for the elimination game and kind of just seeing what happens uh, in game one. But with that being said, and this, I would make a terrible uh, first take and undisputed host. <laughs> if, if, if fatigue is not a factor and we're just talking about everyone 100%, what you do with Doug, I really don't have a strong opinion on. Like, if Mike does one thing and I think the other, okay, fine. Or if Mike thinks one thing and I think the other, like, switching the two. Oh. Both sides of it. If you hold him for game – I don't know what I'm saying here. If you, if you hold him for game two or you pitch him game one, if fatigue is not factored in, I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. I'm it's, the same wait, way. If you got to win two games somehow, I, I could hear both sides. Well, let me, let me present this argument. Arizona's pitch best pitcher, they throw on Saturday. They throw game two. Um, so, really, if you throw Doug game one, I really kind of – if he's good to go, I just kind of think you're going to win the baseball game. And so, the more I talk myself into this, if Doug is ready to go, me saying that Doug shouldn't start game one was based on I don't think his rest will allow it. Um, but, again, I don't know what his arm is going to feel like. I could be wrong. Um, I think – Looking at Arizona's rotation and looking at, hey, I'm on the road. If Doug's ready to go game one, I think I throw him game one. But, you know, there's a real world, too, where he's not ready to go game one after today. Sure. And then the other half of this conversation, another part of this conversation before we move on to a uh... – the other portion of this is if you have to – if there is three games, not a game three – whatever order you want to go in. If there are three games and you have to roll out three starters, Tyler Myers has to be your third at this point. Yes. Is there even much of a debate? No. Um, I think you know, Mike – Frankly, I think I could, I, could, I could make a better argument that he should be your, your second, you know, guy instead of Diamond that I could be – shouldn't be in the rotation. Um, no. Diamond or, or McDaniel's got to go to the bullpen. Um, and, and, frankly, I'm not even sure how many innings he's going to get out of the bullpen. Um, no. Tyler Myers is, is, is a starter next week if this thing goes three games. He has to start one of the games. I, I don't really think that's a – that's not a debate at this point. Like, that just, that just has to be what it is. 
And it's it's fortunate that Ole Miss was able to kind of find out that out and learn that lesson without uh, it being summer and it being a high. That, uh, that's a really good point. You you learned, hey, I need I need Myers uh, in in this rotation instead of McDaniel, and it didn't cost you your season. That's a that's a really that's a free lesson you got to learn. So you'll take that for sure. Sure, and no one was necessarily calling for that a week ago. It was definitely no. the fourth game. Myers is a hell of a weapon, but like that that they, I mean, there's there's influential moments in the postseason that sway opinions and sway thinking, and rightfully so. And that's that's one of them that happened, unfortunately, for Drew McDaniel. I think he'll end up being fine at Ole Miss. But uh, sure. as far as this season goes, you, you learned that lesson and it didn't cost you. And that's another fortunate aspect of what Ole Miss was able to go through this week. Real, real quick, did did you get to watch most, most, most of the game today? Every pitch, unless you're listening okay. to Pro Solutions, and I did not watch a pitch. All right. So, did you – I presume you got to watch every pitch last night, too. That is correct, yes. Actually, right. I, I missed about a half an inning driving from DFW to uh, MC's house in okay. Was it? It wasn't the bottom of the first where Southern scored seven, was it? It was not that inning. Okay. I actually caught All that right. inning from a, uh, from a train inside DFW. Okay. I've watched Ole Miss baseball from a lot of places this year. So, there was a play last night um, on Sunday night. Bases were loaded, and I believe it was a four-to-two game at that point. And there was a ground ball hit at Justin Bench, and he dropped it, and he only got one out. Could have got him off the field at four to two. And then he drops a pop-up, extends the inning. Did you see Justin Bench play third base today? He did. He made one of the biggest plays he, of the game. Broadway's was first special. out was one of the biggest plays of the game. Kid was special today. He made another play stop down the third base line. That's 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 just what toughness is like. You, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. I'm the baddest dude on the planet, um, and I'm going to go make the next play. He had a very very bad defensive game last night, and he had a really really good one tonight. And and that's what makes this team really really good is they that for the most part they don't let things like that affect them. They don't let it bleed over and day into day, and they don't let it bleed into other aspects of the game. I mean, bench hits the big home run today. Uh, you know, it's it's that's one of the more impressive things that I've seen is and look, you know, people got after bench for all that. That's and maybe correct me if you disagree, please. But after Dunhurst, he feels like the either second or third best defender, whatever you want to do with Gonzalez on his team. I would agree with that. It's between he and Gonzalez. And, you know, third base has not been as kind to him as seamlessly as he played a pretty damn good center field and that not being nearly as easy as it as he kind of made it seem. Um, yeah. He's had some mishaps at third base, but I would still agree. I mean, where who else are you putting up there besides Gonzalez? It, it's it's not whoever they have at first base. It's no. not TJ McCants, despite what any sort of uh, national outlets would like to tell you. It's uh, back to Kevin Graham. It's not Kevin Graham. It's not yeah. Leatherwood or Plumlee in right field. And it's who am I missing? It's who? who that's that's McCants. You didn't say McCants. Oh, you did say McCants. I did. Chatney. Uh, it's not him. No. Chattanooga actually is a pretty good second baseman, though. He is. He is. He uh, he made a hell of a play down the right field line in the top of the ninth. You're, uh, I'm glad you mentioned particularly the second part of the bench play because that was Broadway's first out, and that was a tweener between he and Gonzalez, and he handled a really tough chopper really well. Because, like, if he stretches out and it goes off the tip of his glove or just goes past him or something, it's not an error, obviously. but. No. It's an infield single where you're sitting there going, you got to be shitting me. Now we got to find a way to get six outs with a guy on base, and it's only a three-run game. I thought that was a massive out in the game that probably won't get talked about at times. Although Kyle Peterson, which is probably why he's good at his job, mentioned that as soon as it happened. He said that was a massive out and a massive Yeah, 
absolutely was. Um, really good. And I just wanted to mention that because that's what that's kind of what toughness looks like. Um, it also looks like a kid that probably hasn't had a hit in a month, being real competitive in the box and and hitting a two one hanging change up five hundred and eighty four feet. Um, I decided today that Calvin Harris is going to be a really good hitter by the time he leaves Ole Miss. There's just you, there's just dudes. I, I went and watched the replay of that home run. There's just guys that have it, and and he's one of them. Man, he by the time he leaves here is going to be a very very good hitter. And I don't mean to go like scouting analysis or whatever. I just watching him, you can you can tell that with some development and some time and some reps and a you know a full fall that he didn't get this year that, that kid's going to be a stud absolutely and uh let's get to the rest of these questions so i don't keep you too long because i believe you have some celebrating to do <laughs> make sure i hadn't missed anybody which would you want more of acls or grand slams i'm not at liberty to answer that yeah. although as uh, as unathletic as i am there's this kid that's like 14 in the apartment next to me that goes and plays at the basketball room all the time like, to up my, like, standing amongst the people, could I just pick, hey, kid, I am going to jump and shoot layups for about five minutes, and I need you to take me out at the knees. Because if I tell people I <laughs> I tore an ACL playing basketball, like, they're going to be like, oh, shit, where did this kid go to college? Like, I wouldn't have guessed that. Like, no, it, you know what no one's ever going to ask if it was pickup. You know what? I've decided Elko's kind of selfish because now anybody that tears their ACL has just got to play through it, just the way it is. That's true. It's like, well, why didn't you do <laughs> just, what he Just got to go. Sorry. Suck it up. It's, a, it's not a season-ending injury anymore. <laughs> what a special kid. How much money would you donate to athletics if they told you 50% was going to a Tim Elko and Doug Nikhazy monument? I don't have any money. So I'll just <laughs> yeah, I don't either, but I, if I did, I'd give a lot. Three bold predictions for the Super Region round. Doesn't have to be exclusive about Ole Miss. Let's hold that for Thursday. We got okay. plenty of time. We are. How would you set up the starting pitching? We answered that. Just making sure people know we're not ignoring them. We do have a couple of questions we'll hold for Thursday. Do you keep Doug as the game two? We covered that. Are you still hung over for oh, – okay. Not going there. Um, that was someone that was at the wedding I was at. Would you throw – okay, we got another one of those. We, <laughs> we're answering the people's questions left and right, and we'll get into that probably in a little more detail. As I imagine we'll have more information by the time you and I record again. Sure. So that, we'll definitely revisit it, and I'll come and revisit the questions to make sure we haven't missed an angle of it. So I appreciate them. Um, everyone wants to have a Tim statue. I agree. Yes, I, I mean, I've been asked questions a brick mason wouldn't get asked. But shouldn't Doug get a look at one, too? They're both the heartbeat of this team. Yeah, man, two things can be true at one time. And you <laughs> throw Broadway in there as well. I know he's in the game for less time, and, you know, he doesn't have the amount of moments to be as beloved. But like you mentioned today, I imagine every Ole Miss fan's heart was in their throat, and he had six pretty routine outs and seven batters. And in a day where the ballpark was a launching pad, I would uh, I would offer him to be put into the conversation as well, even though he's only out there for an inning or two at a time. In, in my opinion, you can put off three of them if Ole Miss can get to Omaha. Just make the new statue at Omaha of them. Maybe they could do like the three best friends that anyone could have, and you could have like a Wolfpack statue. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Graham doesn't get included as much as he should. Uh, yeah, he's really damn good. Too. I mean, this team has a lot of guys and a lot of likable players as well that people can That's what – yeah, I talked about that with a friend today. All these dudes are extremely likable. Like, there's none – nobody that's like – I don't know. Like, I, I don't no want to name – Preston Overbees. 
<laughs> um, I always like this kid. I, I hate to do this because I, I mean, it's kind of a weird line to walk because I used to be a reporter or whatever. And I don't mean this badly, but people got really fed up with Tate Blackman. I always liked Tate Blackman. I thought, you know, he was never really the same after he broke his leg coming out of high school. Like, you're talking about one of those. There's no, like, geez, this guy. I mean, there's a little bit of that with, you know, the Baker strike yeah. up and that. But, like, Preston Overby had an entire message board just wanting to go to war. <laughs> and not, not for him, not in a good yes. way. That, was, that kid was the starting second baseman on the team that went to Omaha. He did. Um, he pimped a home run that cleared the fence by about nine inches. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, but no, like all these kids are extremely likable. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good group of kids. It's really, they're a really fun group to root for because man, a lot of things hadn't gone their way. It was funny. I listened to Mike's press conference after the game and someone asked him about the rain delays and they were like, yeah, how do, how do you kind of manage that? Or what'd you do? And he was like, man, look, he was like, well, everything, and this is paraphrasing. Someone's like, well, everything we've kind of gone through this year, it's like, that really wasn't nothing. It's like we we had to get COVID tested at seven thirty this morning. It's like everything we going through. We don't even talk about COVID anymore. That's a, that's that's nothing compared to what this team's had to deal with. God, could you have imagined if like? Oh no, God, don't even say that. Yeah, I'm not even going to revisit that. Don't today. put that in the universe. You had an Elko false positive. God, I just say that because we got a couple of golf questions that I'll take. Wait, I don't. The results don't come back today, do they? I don't think I don't think they do rapid testing on these kids. Maybe I'm wrong though. That would be a hell of a way to go about it. Uh, let's see. Not no idea how much research y'all have done on them, but no way this Arizona team is substantially better than Southern Miss. No, they're we not. Can go into Arizona more on Thursday, but I'll, I'll answer this because you would know better than I am. Because he did ask kind of a simplistic question: substantially better? No, they're not. Um, frankly, they're really similar. Arizona's probably a little more talented on the mound, but. Uh, they're, they're really, really similar, frankly. Um, maybe a little deeper in Arizona's lineup, but just from a – if you want to scout on Arizona, just kind of look at Southern Miss. They, they, they're really similar. They bang the hell out of it. Now, if you go look at the regional scores, that's not going to – it's not going to show you that, but I'm telling you from a, from a statistical standpoint, I started looking at teams that I thought could be a national seed because I thought Ole Miss was going to have a really long path, and I was trying to figure out where I kind of wanted them to go. Um, and so I went and looked and I'm telling you, Arizona can really, really bang the baseball around. So almost going to have to figure out a way to pitch it pretty well. Take your word for it there. Regardless of right on left matchup, do you start Harris possibly foregoing some defense no. for the chance to at least have a competitive? <laughs> Ooh, All right. Kill Baker strikes out a lot, but man, go look at, uh, at, at Calvin Harris's, you know, at bats for like you mentioned the last month and a half before that. Kel Baker strikes out a bunch and it frustrates people, but Kel Baker had two hits on Friday against Simo, and I don't remember what he did on Saturday. I'd have to go look it up. He's not a bad nine-hole option. He just looks – he has some really bad swings on uh, non-straight balls, if you want to use the Chase Cockrell-Pedro Serrano analogy, that make people very, very mad. But you know who else has bad swings on that? Hayden Dunhurst. And, like, he doesn't catch near as much flack. I don't think – I still don't think Kel Baker's a bad nine-hole option. I, I get – People do the thing with Calvin Harris. So why shouldn't he play every day? And here's why. Kel Baker against left-handed pitching, 302, 393, 566, uh, 959. He has a 959 OPS against left-handed pitching. I think it probably should just be said that, like, he really, really hits left-handed pitching and he really, really doesn't. Wow, what a play. Drew Bianco, what a play. Um, 
he really doesn't hit right-handed pitching. Um, just is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I watch Kel Baker, and I see that he's able to hit left-handed pitching, and the numbers bear that out. And I see that he cannot hit right-handed pitching to save his life, and the numbers bear that out. So don't play him versus righties and play him versus lefties. That kind of just makes sense in my head to me. And the fact that you're not having this debate while one of them not named Tim Elko is having to DH is, is, is really where the value of Elko comes in as well, beyond the legend that is him. The fact that he's kind of solidified the DH deal has done wonders for this club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's made this team one hell of a lot better. Uh, another, uh, another rotation question, just making sure we got that. Anyone know where Wes Burton was? Oh, um, so look, Wes Burton I, is not, go ahead. You go first. Go ahead. No, I, all right. I have a theory. You tell me if I'm crazy. I think if it was a close game, Mike would have thrown Wes Burton. He would have. Oh, can I tell you where? When he threw Cody Atcock. Yeah. If it was nine, five, don't you think he maybe goes to Burton? Nine, six. Yes. I think here, here's my theory. He threw Cody Adcock in that situation because Cody Adcock was going to throw it over the plate and he was going to let him hit it. Unfortunately for Cody Adcock, they hit it a long ways. He didn't go to Burton because if Burton is off, it's going to be a whole bunch of walks. And when you have that line of lead, you don't want those walks. That's my theory. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I think when he has that kind of lead, he just wanted somebody that was going to throw it over the plate. That's why Austin Miller was getting loose and not Wes Burton. Wes Burton walks a lot of people. I'm not saying that Wes Burton shouldn't pitch more. I think he should pitch more. But I think that was Mike's thought process is I have a big enough lead right now. I just need to throw it over the plate and let somebody go catch it. We'll be fine. Unfortunately for them, Southern hit it out of the ballpark. And that sucks. But it's a different mindset, a different strategy than – like they went with that strategy in Starkville when they had a two-run lead. It's a whole different ballgame when you have a seven-run lead and you just need to throw it over the plate, if that makes sense. Sure, and when you get into that kind of I mean, bottom tier sounds weird, but when you get into that beyond your top three, four bullets mix, it's just kind of it's very situational and just kind of who do you trust most at that moment, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, Wes Burton was pretty good in that game against Arkansas, but I think it's the fact that uh, – I think it's the fact that, that Cody Adcock started that game. And, and like, there, there's probably a stage factor to it, right? Like, Cody Adcock in that stage, he had never been on anything close to that on that Saturday in Hoover and didn't wilt. And not that Wes Burton would, but that's also probably fresh in Mike's mind. And so, when I mentioned that, like, Adcock probably doesn't pitch in that game if it's 9-5, and someone out there listening is probably thinking, well, wouldn't they have just gone straight to Kimbrell? Well, sure, but if Kimbrell struggles like he did and it gets to 9-6 or something like that or 9-4, you get what I'm getting at. Burton's got like, – you got to factor in someone else in there, and it's probably not Adcock at that point. It's, or maybe it is. Maybe it is. I guess what I'm saying is if they have a deep run and it goes past next week, I think Wes Burton will have a moment. It uh, Wes Burton is high risk, high reward to me, and I just didn't think the risk was worth the reward. Now, look, when he's good and he's in the zone, he's really freaking good. Um, but there is a risk that he's going to walk a lot of people. And the way the ball was flying out of the park, I understood it. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Mike for that one. I'm just, I'm just not, I, I understood the move and, and I can't really blame him. That being said, I do think that he probably needs to factor into the super regional somewhere if Ole Miss is going to get out of it. For sure. Let's see with all the injuries this year, is Mike going to wrap Doug in bubble wrap this week? Just take away his skateboard and don't let him play ping pong. Oh, goodness. Goodness. 
Let's this team, this this team you. has been snake bitten. But yeah, I, I, oof, they, I hope he recovers well because they're going to need him pretty quickly. You have to pitch Doug Friday night, right? Absolutely not. Uh, we answered that already. Uh, let's see. How much? Here's the here's the brick mason question. How much would it realistically cost to build the statue? What a while! <laughs> I don't know, man. I ain't got a clue. Let's get it. I'll donate. Do you have any sculptors? Does anyone sculpt things? Can you can you get us an estimate? <laughs> I will donate to the cause if they want to build one. If this team makes the College World Series, for sure. Uh, let's see. Does Myers move to third after the last two performances? Yes. Answered that. I think that's everything we had. Let's see. Anything interests you? Let's go through the supers real quick. Uh, Arkansas, NC State. Arkansas probably just going to beat them. Probably, but that NC State team is hot, and at a certain point, that matters. Yeah, they're very hot. Uh, Texas, South Florida. We don't even have to talk about that. Good story out of South Florida, though. That's a really cool story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tennessee gets the winner of this game, so we don't know who they're playing yet. Tennessee Uh, always could be spicy just from a stage standpoint. I think Tennessee probably mauls them, though. Probably so. Vanderbilt, East Carolina, anything. Good luck to Cliff. Yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, Ole Miss, Arizona, I'm sure we'll talk about that later this week. Uh, Who's the sixth seed? I'm struggling to remember the sixth seed TCU that was TCU's original so that will be Dallas Baptist and Old Dominion and nobody knows where that's getting played in Old Dominion it'll be close it would be the available one of the 16 available sites that's not in use closest Mm -hmm. Old Dominion boy that was a mouthful wasn't it yeah um so it will be the one closest Old Dominion where is that correct is that Columbia again? Probably. Um, I mean, I don't know geography that well. Uh, Charlotte, maybe. No, Charlotte was not one of the sixteen. They should um, do the right thing and let Old Dominion host it. I know it's the athletic. No, they, they, no, they can't. Um, genuinely, go look at their state. They can't host it. Um, it's it's that bad. So, play it at Dallas Baptist if you want to do that. But they, I don't think their facilities can allow them to host. Maybe they can put it at a minor league park or something, but I'm, I'm telling you, because like, I went and looked. I was like, why didn't they bid? And then I looked at their facilities. Like, oh, I get it. Um, so it, it's that bad. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Let's see. That was all the baseball questions we had. I'll get these golf ones. Oh, oh, we forgot one. Notre Dame State. Oh, That's going to be right. a hell of a series. I think that will be a hell of a series. State seemed to kind of figure it out a little bit. I know they had a little bit of a – a easier draw than a couple other regionals, but I mean, good. Give them credit; they rolled through it. They didn't lose a game. Like that's kind of yeah. do what you do. Cool scene though in Starkville afterwards. Though, the Campbell Camels, who have been a uh, big, big hit on this podcast, going around taking food from the state uh, outfielder thing. I don't know. That's just a cool college baseball thing to me. I like it when, like, from a human interest aspect, it's really cool to me when teams, like, particularly teams that maybe don't have a ton of baseball tradition come in and kind of endear themselves to an opposing fan base and kind of poke fun at the people screaming at them and the outfield for most of the time. I just find it shit. I'm sappy. I don't know. I'm not sappy for much, but I find that stuff pretty cool. Have you seen the uh, the grandmother text at Swayze? Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Like, so vaguely. Vaguely. Oof. Just just saw those reappear on my, my timeline. That, uh, that was something. So, but catch, is this podcast appropriate? No, no, on? it's not. I, okay, I never mind. Don't catch me up on this. <laughs> Yo, just, uh, it's, look, it has 
500. It's got like 1,100 retweets. I can give you the uh, handle now. It's Malpal, M-A-L-P-A-L-108. Just uh, just go check those out. That's uh, Wow, that's something. I've been sent DMs of this three to four times and have yet to look up, just really out of lack of interest from the sense that, like, I get a decent bit of DMs now. And so I'm just like, yeah, hey, I don't know if I'm looking at this. I got a lot of other ones. I got it's, other- uh, it's something else. Okay, I will go look at it after this. But uh, bringing this back to a more wholesome G-rated aspect of it, I don't know if you saw the photos, but, like, obviously Campbell was probably upset their season was over, but they had a good run. Their players are shaking the state fans in the outfield, and obviously state fans probably cook as much or more as Ole Miss fans do out in left field in particular. So they're giving them the excess food. So these Campbell players just have, like, plates of – like, trays of sausages and ribs in one (laughs) hand, and they're shaking hands with the fans in the other. I thought that was – That's great. That is great. Uh, let's see. We had one, oh, two. So we had two golf questions I'll knock out. What are your thoughts on John Rahm getting knocked out or having to withdraw this week? Did you see this, by the way? No. John Rahm, so he's a pretty famous golfer, top 50 player in the world. Something with Arizona, did he go to Arizona State? Because I saw a joke on Twitter. He did, because uh, he, so okay. he is a big Arizona State guy. But uh, so he had a six shot lead through three rounds at the Memorial, which is the tournament Jack Nicholas puts on. So it's a pretty big tournament. Tigers won that thing like nine times or some shit. Not actually that many. I think it's seven. But he finds out after the conclusion of his third round that he's tested positive for the coronavirus. And so he has a six-shot lead, which is pretty much a slam dunk to win the tournament. I mean, that's that's like being up 11-1 to 1 in football, even in baseball, um, and had to withdraw. I don't have a ton of thoughts on it. I mean, it, it really sucks. Could they have made a special accommodation and let him play by himself? And if they really wanted to get weird, carry his own bag? Yes. But that's why they put these protocols in place. And, you know, as the world's slowly shifting back to normal, should they lack some of them and change it up? That's really kind of a debate that's not really something that we ever get into on this podcast. I could see both sides of it. It's just a victim of the system uh, that we still have in place because of the pandemic that's ravaged this world over the last 14 months. And so it sucks for Rom. I would have liked to find a way to get him to compete. I don't know whether he's vaccinated or not. I'm gonna, not going to anti-vax or pro-anti-vax or whatever the hell you want to call it on both sides of that, John Rom. It just sucks all the way around because the PGA Tour didn't want that. John Rahm didn't want that. And the fans didn't want that. It, 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 it just sucks. Maybe the, this yeah. is a learning lesson it finds. You know, maybe we're healthy enough as a society now in terms of this COVID thing being behind us, particularly in the United States, to find a way to amend it now. It just sucks it had to happen to him. That does suck. That, that does suck. I'm, again, I'm not going to comment, you know, politically or whatever. But, yeah, for just, just for that guy, the human being, that, that, that's really, really unfortunate. One of the things, though, I am happy it is, it is John Rahm. He's won, like, five or six times on tour. He is financially – That makes me feel better. For life. If it had been a guy like a Jason Kokrek two weeks ago who won in Fort Worth, who's made a decent bit of money in his life, but I don't believe has ever won on the PGA Tour, that would have changed his life. That would have really, really blown. The fact that it's a top 20 player in the world and it's a superstar like John Rahm, it sucks, but it's not earth-shattering. But if some long shot was in contention and that happened, that would have really bummed me out. Um, yeah, that would have – yeah, that – yeah. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's a guy that's won before. It's not a guy playing for life-changing money. Um, let's that's see. True. Oh, last one we had with Buckley qualifying for the U.S. Open, Princey's friend of mine. <laughs> if the U.S. Open had to be played in the state of Mississippi and was up to you, where would you play it? But you can't say Waverly or Mossy Oak. Top three tracks to play it at. Okay, this is an interesting one. So, obviously, I think the ones you named that I can't name are probably the top two. Fallen Oak, even though I've never played that golf course, is probably number one. Uh, 
you could do reunion in Madison. I don't know if it has the actual facilities, but it just in terms of making it U.S. Open like, just grow the hell out of the rough and make it could be long enough. I'm not sure CCJ could be long enough. Long enough. And then the third one I will go with Mallard Point. Shout out to uh, Sardis, Mississippi. Uh, you can decide which one of those is not serious. Serious. <laughs> we had two Mississippians, though, dude, qualify for the U.S. Open today. And so – for those non-golf people out there, they call today the longest day in golf, and it's U.S. Open sectional qualifying. And one of the reasons I think the U.S. Open um, is one of the more interesting majors is anyone can qualify for it. I could go out there if I really wanted to and find a way to go through a local qualifying and then get through sectionals. So anyone can get into the U.S. Open. The top 50 players in the world and former winners are exempt, but anyone can get into the U.S. Open and we had two guys that still don't have PGA Tour status yet, but them I'm still under 25 years old. I guess Buckley is 25. Tupelo native Hayden Buckley, Jackson, Mississippi native Wilson Fur, who turned professional two weeks ago after graduating college, will be playing in the U.S. Open at Torrey Ponds. How about that? Where did, uh, where did they go to school? Buckley took a 1% scholarship at Mizzou because no one around here wanted him because he was kind of a late bloomer. Fur was kind of a youth phenom. That yeah, I remember that name. Yeah, but he, was a, he committed to Alabama and went and played there and kind of have a rocky college career through some injuries and just kind of lost his game. Um, really happy for him. Fur's been a good friend of mine since he was like 10 or 11 years old. He, and, uh, he got to Jay. Yeah, he did. I uh, actually used to wheel that little bastard around the golf tournaments when he was not old enough to drive, much less sit in the front seat. So <laughs> I couldn't tell you how happy I am for Wilson. That was uh, that getting that text because I'd kind of been following along and I was driving when it had finished up, getting that text that he had indeed gotten through. Uh, I can't tell you how happy that made me. And the same goes for Buckley. But, uh, you know, Buckley's doing well on the Corn Ferry Tour on the cusp of realizing. You, you said a 1% scholarship. That's a thing? It was a walk-on. I think they gave him something just to kind of say he wasn't <laughs> a total walk-on. Buckley, I tell you, he was a walk-on at Missouri. And he was like you – know, he tells a great story. He's like, I was eating there the first time I was, like, there eating lunch. I was like, one of these guys is not like the other. I'm not really sure I belong here. And now he's one on the <laughs> – you know, second biggest uh, tour in the United States and is, you know, on the cusp of earning a PGA Tour card. So it's pretty that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, two really awesome stories. And we have a really strong golf state. I know that's not necessarily your niche, but uh, I have pumped the shit out of it on the podcast. So uh, this is like the peak of my existence. This podcast might be the peak of Rippy's existence. It may never get better than this for me. So congratulate <laughs> me at your own risk. There you go. There you go. Uh, pretty uh, good day. Pretty I appreciate good day. the time, as always, dude. I'll let you get out of here. I know you got things to do. I appreciate time, as always, and we'll, uh, we'll be back at the end of the week. Sounds good, my man. All right, dude, be safe. I'll talk to you later on this week. I appreciate everyone listening. The feedback to the show always is part of what makes this fun. Please, I hope you continue to listen, and uh, seeing this thing grow has been really badass. Everybody have a safe and happy Monday night and a start to the rest of their week. See you, dude. See you, bud.